Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, welcome into our program today. It is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. And as the uh, voice told you there a moment ago, we're presented by Breda Pest Management. And we are in the midst of a lot of stuff here today. Um, We're going to hopefully catch up with Mike Griffith here coming up in a few minutes. That is live from Indianapolis where the NFL Scouting Combine is taking place. Mike covering all of the Georgia players today as many of them meet with the media, talk about their Georgia careers, talk about their hopes for landing in the first round of the NFL draft in many cases. Mike's going to give us some information on that here coming up. We are also going to talk a little bit about a report at the AJC this morning, AJC.com. You may have read this involving some information with Jalen Carter reportedly at the scene of the traffic accident involving uh, Chandler LaCroix and Devin Willick that cost them their lives. And this is obviously creating uh, a little bit of uh, certainly a level of interest around it, including I think there's going to be some late breaking uh, right before the show comes on news here to give you coming up here in just a moment that that we'll talk about this actually happening live as we come on the air. So this is a little bit different for us, a little bit, you know, kind of um, you know, this is all just kind of playing out in real time. So we're going to do our best to follow all of that. I'll also tell you this kind of away from the Carter story here for a moment. It is worth your time to go to Dog Nation. I think it's on the Facebook page right now. Hopefully we'll get this on the YouTube page here, too. It is worth your time to check out some of the stuff that Nolan Smith had to say earlier today because the workout portion of the NFL scouting combine begins tomorrow. Um, today, a lot of the figures who are there are are, are, are talking to reporters. As I said before, we're going to try to talk to uh, Jalen Carter or hear, hear from Jalen Carter as he speaks with the media here coming up uh, in, in just a moment. But we've already heard from uh, Nolan Smith here this morning. And, you know, away from kind of what might be the sort of bigger topic at hand for, for, for a minute, I think I think checking in with Nolan Smith and hearing him, I think that is certainly worth your time because I don't know. Nolan has always come across to me as an incredibly thoughtful player. Um, this is one of those guys that sort of I think is the perfect embodiment of what you kind of want a football player to be like on the football field. Nolan is tenacious and as aggressive and as driven, you know, as as anybody could be right he plays that game with with the reckless abandon that you want someone to approach uh the football field with and yet away from the game whether it be sort of post-game locker room comments or or things like like that you know he has also sort of proven himself to be kind of the ultimate gentleman there as well and I, i think in some of the stuff that you got from him uh you know in his press conference today from indianapolis nfl scouting combine you sort of saw that side of Nolan Smith again, which I just really appreciate. He was obviously very emotional in talking about what Devin Willick meant to him and what life has been like for him as a teammate of Willick's having had to go through that. It's the kind of thing we wouldn't obviously wish on anybody. It is, I mean, we said this yesterday because it was obviously uh, uh, would have been Willick's birthday, and Kirby Smart gave a very uh, thoughtful message about all of that on social media. Connor Riley and I talked about this briefly, that you know, eventually as a show – we just sort of pivot back to talking about what it is that we talk about. We love college football around here. We love the upcoming season, no matter what the storyline is, whether it be Georgia trying to win a third straight national championship or years ago when Georgia was trying to win its first straight national you know, championship. We just uh, we just sort of love the idea of the college football calendar and one season ending and getting ready for the new season. And eventually old habits, I guess, kind of die hard here. You just sort of get back to the business of talking about football the way that you uh, kind of always have. And yet we are also mindful, and we said this at the time, right, in the immediate aftermath of that terrible accident a few weeks ago. We said this at the time that when we did all of those things, when we celebrated Georgia's national championship and when we looked ahead, excited about the the upcoming season the way we always do, we would also do that with the kind of parallel mindset that Georgia is in the midst of a tragedy. And there is, you know, still horrible sadness and confusion as it relates to that and that we would have to try to do our best somehow some way to kind of demonstrate the kind of weird contradiction of being really really sad and in some cases confused about what actually happened 
with the uh, with the Devin Willick Chandler Lacroix accident, while also just kind of being about the business of of loving college football and appreciating what is I think for me and for many of you our favorite pastime. And have we got it all right on that? I don't know. I guess you can kind of judge for yourself. But on this show, we've tried to kind of figure all of that out. And I thought that Nolan Smith, with the words that he spoke this morning, did a pretty good job of kind of articulating exactly what that you know you know has kind of meant for him. And I used the word confusion a moment ago to also kind of talk about the the Willock Lacroix uh, you know accident and, and and the situation there with that. Um, the AJC uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution AJC.com this morning reporting that's going to probably reverberate a little bit in Indianapolis one way or another involving Jalen Carter. Now this is also one of those things that really kind of comes out pretty quickly just before our show began. You know, kind of running around in the morning, you're trying to process all of this but you're also you know kind of doing the regular stuff get ready for the regular show as you anticipated so you know i think to get all of the details and facts on this you're going to probably need to go read this for yourself at ajc.com but i guess the takeaway here is is that carter was at the scene of the accident there's the allegation in the ajc story about possible street racing uh with carter and some of the other uh folks who, who were involved there and then, you know, also, I guess the discussion that Carter had been present in the accident, then uh, then left and then returned back to it. So those are kind of the bigger, I guess, you know, sort of facts that maybe come out of the AJC uh, reporting. There is more to it than just that. You, as I said before, you should go read that for yourself there at uh, AJC.com to kind of get more on that. And look. I'll be completely candid and we'll just have a very candid conversation here for a couple of minutes. We are not structured as a show to do a whole lot of talking and discussing about investigative reporting on a fatal car accident. That's just not what we're structured to do. I think it's an important job that someone uh, probably does that. But y'all know we're about fun and and, and uh, entertainment and things like that. And when things like this kind of bubble into our world, it really kind of sort of stands in the way of us doing the kind of thing that i'm paid to do and that 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 we like doing around here which is having a fun conversation around georgia football and yet when something like this happens kind of like right here involving one of the players that we talk about so much well you can't really ignore it either so you have to have you know some sort of conversation about this so as of right now and there's going to be some late breaking details i can give you here in a moment i don't have all those facts in front of me right now but i'm going to give those to you coming up in just a couple of minutes when i can tell you more about this but let me give you one opinion on this for now and then uh, i'll give you more information as it uh, becomes fully available uh to me um here's my opinion right now whatever the facts are on jalen carter and whatever the facts are as it relates to georgia football Whatever the facts are, it is better than the opinion rumor mill that's been out there. By better, I mean it leads to to a more, I guess, appropriate conclusion to this story. And I'll I'll tell you why I feel that way. The other day, I was a part of a meeting. Now, this meeting was unrelated to my employment, not anything to do with Dog Nation, and unrelated to Georgia football in any form or fashion whatsoever. This is just completely different kind of uh, meeting than work or Georgia football or anything like that. It was just a part of a meeting. And as I walked into this meeting or as I joined this meeting, um, there was a conversation going on with a couple of people about the fact that, you know, it had been rumored that Jalen Carter had been on the scene at this accident. Many of you are aware that this rumor had existed in Internet circles, text chain circles, you know, uh, you know, breakfast spot circles, wherever it is that, that people are congregating and talking this rumor had been out there for for quite some time and this is not you know new information nfl teams who are vetting jalen carter it's not new information to a lot of people who are maybe kind of around the periphery of georgia football here a little bit this is one of those rumors that is out there and so at, at this point in time you know getting the actual facts out about whatever this is whatever this might be getting the actual facts out on this is i think at least better than sort of the murky cloudy situation of the rumors of you know i heard that so and so was there and i heard this i heard that heard that at a certain point in time 
no one is served well by rumors. And a lot of you know, if you travel in any kind of circles whatsoever, that the sort of rumor stuff related to this car accident is almost out of control. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't have to go very far to find somebody who feels like they know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and everybody's talking about what supposedly happened to this car accident. Well, better to get the facts out, even if the facts aren't pleasant. Let me tell you something. I don't know that these facts, at least based on my kind of rudimentary understanding of this at the very beginning, I don't know that all these facts are pleasant. Um, but facts better than rumors, I believe, when it comes to this here right now. Now, with all of that said, as I'm taking the air literally right now, within a uh, couple of seconds ago, um, here is the, uh, a statement coming out about the athens Clark County Police Department. I'm going to try to read this, and I'm going to have to get my phone so I can. And, you know, by the time you guys listen to the podcast, something like this, this is all, um, you know, this is all, you know, probably old news to you, but this is literally just happening right now. So I'm going to read the full uh, statement because this is my first time even reading it. Uh, so what they say is ACCPD, uh, as a result of the ongoing investigation of the January 15th, 2023 fatal car crash that occurred, car crash that occurred off Barnett Shoals Road, um, the uh, Athens Clark County Police Department has secured arrest warrants for Jalen Carter for reckless driving and racing. So Carter has an arrest warrant for him right now. He is in Indianapolis, the NFL scouting combine. Uh, he now has an arrest warrant for reckless driving and racing. Uh, AC, the, the, the police statement goes on to say the investigation found that Chandler LaCroix, the driver of the 2021 Ford Expedition, and Jalen Carter, the driver of a 2021 Jeep uh, Trackhawk, were operating their vehicles in a manner consistent with racing shortly after leaving the downtown Athens area about 2.30 a.m., the evidence, I'm sorry for reading the whole thing. I'm just reading this for the first time, y'all. The evidence demonstrated that both vehicles switched between lanes, drove in the center turn lane, drove in opposite lanes of travel, overtook other motorists, and drove at high rates of speed in an apparent attempt to outdistance each other. The statement goes on to say evidence indicated that shortly before the crash, the expedition was traveling at about 104 miles per hour. The toxicology report indicated that LaCroix's blood alcohol concentration was 0.197, which is obviously well well in excess of the legal limit at the time of the crash investigators determined that alcohol impairment racing reckless driving and speed were significant contributing factors to the crash the case will be given to the solicitor general's office so this statement coming out here right around 10 a.m um you know shortly after the ajc story about carter here this morning now all of this is very new and i don't know what any of this necessarily means but it obviously you don't have to be a lawyer to say this doesn't sound very good how severe is it how bad is it i don't know what does it mean for carter in particular what does it mean for george in particular i i, I don't know about that but this is one of those things at this point in time now i sort of think you just sort of have to let all the facts come out and the facts need to come out this is one of those things that's not going to just sort of disappear into thin air it's not just going to sort of go away you know this is not one of those things that's just going to kind of recede in the background on the basis of time alone um this is one of those stories that i think sort of has to be followed to its conclusion uh i am not smart enough to make a lot of uh i guess interpretations of this i can't tell you what it means legally i i can't tell you what you know what this necessarily means it's you know I, I just i'm just not you know in the heat of the moment someone who's not trained in that world i i, I can't necessarily tell you about that but it is out there it is real it's going to be talked about uh you know jalen carter is supposed to meet with the media for the first time coming up about 10 minutes obviously we had planned on kind of taking that anyway because you know there's a chance that carter's the potential number one overall draft pick now that story is a little bit different because he'll almost certainly be asked about this my guess is is he'll be advised not to say too much about it and that's probably good legal advice you know jalen carter is no different than anybody else facing you know uh any, any kind of charge he has a right to a legal defense and part of that legal defense is his right to to limit what he says publicly and i totally support anybody taking full advantage of every legal right they have in this particular case carter's got that legal right and uh, I won't assume anything about him one way or another if he probably wisely chooses not to say much about this here right now. But um, but it's out there. It's going to be discussed. This comes out right as we're beginning today's show. Certainly awkward given our normal uh, line of thought, normal line of uh, conversation. But unfortunately for everybody involved right now, this story seems to be getting a, a, a little bit more complicated. 
And so with that said, we'll get ready to uh, begin today's show, Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Breda Pest Management. Obviously, we're happy to have you with us. Normally, very different kind of discussion here around here. And obviously, we'll try to have some fun on today's show there as well. And actually, we'll just sort of try to find out what is the scene in Indianapolis like around all of this. If you're just joining us live on video, uh, the Athens-Clark County Police Department issuing a statement that uh, they're issuing an arrest warrant for uh, Jalen Carter uh, because of Carter's uh, alleged involvement in the automobile accident that uh, killed Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix. So we are following this as it happens here right now. And, of course, you join us at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. We really appreciate that. Lots more coverage coming up from Indianapolis. We're going to try to talk to Mike Griffith here today. Mike's going to try to help us bring in and hear from Jalen Carter. We're going to try our best on this. This is obviously, you know, kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things where we just would give it our best shot to sort of see how all of this goes. And if it doesn't quite work the way that, that it uh, should, then we'll just sort of shake that off and move on to the next thing. At the very least, we should be able to hear from Mike on what carter has to say coming up in a minute but hopefully we'll get a chance to hear from carter himself beyond just whatever may be going on with this just whatever carter's being asked we had sort of planned on trying to give you the Jalen carter press conference anyway it now takes on a little bit more significance and so we'll try even harder to bring you his words live uh coming up in a moment if he does indeed meet with the media as he's slated to do we'll bring you that coming up here in a uh, couple of minutes let me also remind you that our show today is brought to you by our friends at Breda Pass Management. Of course, Breda Pass Management, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. And listen, I love what they do for UGA. I love what they can do for all of you there as well. When you think about Breda, you know, you're thinking about a company that's been in business since 1975. They got like 125 employees. You're talking about unparalleled strength in their industry, so much so they've been recognized by UGA and trusted as the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. And what that means for you is because you're facing, you know, we're all kind of asking the same question. Well, what's in it for me? You know, what do I get out of Breda being so big and so good at their job? Well, here's what you get. You're working with a termite company right now, maybe sort of fly by night, maybe, you know, not quite as substantial in the industry. And as a way of kind of keeping up, they're having to raise your price year after year after year. It seems like right now everything is getting more expensive. You get that letter in the mail, your termite protection is going up, your pest control uh, protection is going up. Well, when you make the switch to Breda Pass Management, those letters go away. And all of a sudden, you put more money back in your pocket instantly just for making that switch. That's why I recommend Breda Pass Management because they can do something good for you. They don't just do good stuff for UGA. They can do something good for you. And you can have the same pest control protection that Sanford Stadium has and all the other athletic venues that UGA have. And you can put more money back in your pocket just for making that switch. So uh, find them online. It's BredaPest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com to kind of learn more about that. All right, so... This is the time of the show we're going to kind of transition around the doghouse here for a moment. Now, we are going to come back to this Carter story and give you whatever is next on that here in a few minutes. Either Mike Griffith alive from Indianapolis uh, to discuss kind of how all this is playing up there. Carter, in his own words, hopefully we'll be able to bring you that coming up in a couple of minutes. But that's probably about sort of like five, six, seven, maybe as much as 10 minutes away here. So we're going to kind of change the subject here for a moment and talk about something completely different, frankly, something that's far more pleasant, uh, just for a few minutes. And then we'll give you more on the Carter situation when it comes out and when uh, we have that for you, probably in about five or 10 minutes. Does that all makes sense. We'll get back to that here in a moment. Yesterday, um, once again, from Indianapolis, there was a really cool moment where Brandon Staley, the uh, Chargers coach, was talking about his love of the NFL draft. And the, he was on with the NFL Network guys. Uh, and, you know, they were kind of going on about how, you know, Staley had always kind of just been sort of this draft obsessive. And they, he and his family would kind of always get the wings and the pizza. And they'd always be sitting around watching the draft each and every year. And so they're kind of having this sort of conversation, sort of waxing poetic about how much they love the NFL draft. But in the midst of all of that, you know, Staley was talking about one moment in particular that he liked from last year's draft. And obviously, one of the stories for the Chargers was the fact that uh, they had selected Jamari Salyer. And there had been all this kind of controversy around uh, Salyer's draft. He's been a very good player for Georgia, really bedrock member 
of the Georgia offensive line, but sort of faced this weird level of like doubt and I want to say criticism, but skepticism, maybe a better way of saying that prior to last year's draft. Obviously, the Chargers smart enough to take him, even though even though they took him late. And yet Salyer ended up being a very important player for the Chargers this season. In fact, you're here stating his own words, talk about just how important uh, Jamari was to the uh, Chargers effort. So kind of as we kind of wait for the next thing to sort of happen in this Jalen Carter story, let me do something just more fun for a few minutes here. How about Brandon Staley from the NFL Network this week talking about Jamari Salyer? You'll like this. Here's Staley. When those guys walk across the stage, you're seeing a dream come true right before your eyes. And then now you have access to their families, their coaches, how they made it here. And it's just amazing. And last year, you know, my favorite story probably from my first two years is, you know, we picked Jamari Sawyer in the sixth round. This guy ends up like saving our season. And um, I spoke at Kirby Smart's clinic at Georgia last year. And, you know, they had a million guys coming out. He does a great job. And uh, Jamari is a guy that we really loved in the draft process. You know, kind of the rounds are going and there's some, you know, there's some stuff about, you know, some of his medical history stuff like that and um, but we love this player and we're there and it's getting like the sixth round I call Kirby Smart on the phone I'm Directly like hey man I'm like, I, I'm like hey Kirby you know, we need to talk and uh, you know and just trying to find out for Tom and Jojo and um, you know he just he says hey Brandon I promise you this guy's the real deal and sure enough this guy we pick him he has a fantastic season and you know we probably picked him two or three rounds too late but right? you know better late than never but it was just one of those things where you're on the clock and you, you're trusting the relationships that you built with people and you're getting that information in real time and you know for us to go pick him um you know just a, it was a great moment for the charge so once again we're live here reacting to a lot of things here this morning that's good stuff from brand staley on the L.A. Chargers' decision to draft Amari Salyer, how well that worked out for them. I want to get back to that. There's plenty more to say about that. But also, as we're doing the show here, we're continuing to follow a story that literally breaks as today's show is beginning. The athens Clark County Police Department uh, reporting they've issued an arrest warrant for uh, Jalen Carter because of Carter's uh, presence at the scene of the accident in which uh, Devin uh, Willick and Chandler LaCroix lost their life, uh, you know, uh, uh, the the official uh, I, to go back to the official wording here on this that um, reckless driving and uh, racing um, is the uh, is, is the charge there that that ACC uh, police department pursuing against Carter. The reason why I bring that back up is because Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network reporting on Twitter here that Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter, who had been scheduled to speak with reporters in Indianapolis today, along with uh, do, with doing his physical, has not been spotted with his group this morning. He has met with teams already previous to this news so that's ian rapaport on twitter a couple moments ago rapaport obviously if you follow the nfl one of the big uh kind of newsmen in that industry reporting that carter has not been seen as i said before i'm not not a lawyer i'm not certainly you know uh qualified to be giving any kind of like sort of legal opinion about anything but obviously we know that Jalen Carter now facing this this charge has every right to a legal defense. That legal defense oftentimes includes the right to remain silent. Carter choosing not to speak to reporters here right now is simply his legal right. And I wouldn't read much into that one way or another, but stepping away, choosing not to speak here right now, at least that's the assumption we get based on what Ian Rappaport is saying uh, here, there as well. Rappaport also saying that um, that 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 Carter has met with teams already previous to this news. I'm going to make an assumption here. Maybe oftentimes uh, assumptions end up being wrong, but here's my assumption. I told you a few minutes ago that, and listen, I'm I don't pretend to be like Mister Insider and, and and plugged in, you know, everything. You know, that's not the game that I play necessarily. Um, but even in me just sort of walking around in my normal life, I've had plenty of people bring up, Hey, did you hear, you know, Jalen Carter, blah, 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 blah. You know, this has not exactly been the most, uh, you know, poorly kept secret necessarily. This is a rumor that's been active. People haven't really known what's true and what's not, but this is a rumor that's been fairly active. So my assumption is, is if in the circles that I travel in, if people had been talking about this prior to the AJC officially reporting it this morning, this was not a surprise to NFL teams either who, when it comes to investing, you know, eight figure sums of money into a potential first round, you know, overall draft pick are doing their own private investigations, which are very, very different than anything else that like, you know, takes place in the media or takes place in courts of law. You know, there are there are a lot less um, there's a lot less laws governing what, what you can discover in a private investigation. So my guess is that this conversation may have already taken place with some of the NFL teams who may have been just as aware of this rumor as many of you were. 
But according to what we have here right now, Ian Rappaport reporting that Jalen Carter is not seen, at least for the moment, in Indianapolis. We may be led to assume that means that he's not going to speak uh, with reporters either. You do see, huh? Okay, you do see a video image right there coming from the NFL Scouting Combine. That's Brian Brzee, obviously a name that a lot of Georgia fans will remember from a recruiting standpoint and a very good player at Clemson. Uh, hard to believe, guys, it makes you feel old to see these guys. who <laughs> felt like we were just talking about his recruits six minutes ago. All of a sudden, now they're at the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, but that is uh, Brzee there. So we are on the scene in Indianapolis. And I guess that we will um, we'll give you – the sights and sounds as all of this plays out and kind of whatever comes next on this. And when we bring on Mike Griffith, this is not going to be like all Jalen Carter all the time. We'll talk to him about the other things going on with the Georgia players there, because like the one thing I continue to believe is um, like put the Carter thing aside here. For a moment. We obviously have to deal with it. It's happening as we're doing the show. But, but to put that aside for a moment, one of the things that I do think is interesting about the NFL draft lead up for Georgia, you probably heard me say this before is, it's the number of Georgia players who are kind of swing guys who, if everything goes well and if they perform well in some of the scouting combine stuff, the pro day stuff or things like that, they have a way to sort of swing their way into the first round here. Um, I would put a, a guy like Nolan Smith in that category. You know, Nolan's one of those guys that he's going to hear a couple of different things. A, he's going to hear coming off of injury. B, he's going to hear about the fact that as an edge rusher, he's a little undersized. He's probably a little undersized, you know, even for Georgia in that category certainly probably a little undersized when you start moving ahead to the nfl part of this so he's going to hear some questions about you know his ability to actually get after quarterbacks and shed the blocks necessary to be able to do that but nolan's game on the field sort of speaks for itself and there's a chance that he you know uh, responds to all of those questions by, by by showing what he's all about and he may get a chance to be a first round pick uh, I would say that Darnell Washington right now has a very good chance of being a first round pick. We know the size that he brings to the table. We know how important it's kind of a, you know, you don't really think about him as being the focal point of the Georgia offense because they weren't always throwing it to him. But Kirby Smart would say that in a lot of ways, uh, Darnell, because of what he could do as a passing game threat, but also as a, just a mauler in the run game, was really, you know, kind of the catalyst part of the engine that made the Georgia offense what it was. And that film paired with what might be a very impressive testing period. You know, Darnell, even though he's very big, he has a chance to run really well. And if he puts a big 40 time along with the obvious you know, measurable size that he has, that's a guy that could be in the first round of the NFL draft. Obviously, Broder Jones is a guy that I would sort of expect to be taken in the first round. I hope that he is. Uh, Keely Ringo is a guy we talked about a couple of days ago where, like, on the one hand, you know, you got the long frame, you got the incredible speed. It's almost certain that Ringo will be among the best tested defensive backs who participate in some of this, you know, pre-draft, you know, process stuff. I would be surprised if that's not the case. And, you know, on the other hand, I think the word that what Daniel Jeremiah used the other day is maybe a little bit stiff. So he's got that critique to answer to. So you've got guys like Ringo and Darnell and Nolan and, you know, to a certain extent, maybe Broderick Jones there as well, who could kind of swing their way into the first round here. And then you've got the possibility that some of those guys could have fall to the second round there, too. So the point is, when we get a chance to talk to Mike Griffith, you know, we're going to kind of talk about a lot of that, all of that. And then we'll also kind of deal with the uh, Jalen Carter stuff as it's playing out. But ultimately, I would say our role on that here is just to sort of let you know that it's going on and, you know, how that's cho- you know chosen to be interpreted you know, smarter people than me will probably weigh in on that. At first blush, this obviously doesn't look good. Uh, but, you know, how bad is it? How serious is it? Well, we'll obviously sort of find that out as a lot of this plays out. But if you want to read more of the facts that as they've been reported, also really just a short period of time before we uh, came on the field today, I should came on the field. <laughs> We're not on the field. <laughs> We're sitting in the studio. You don't want me on the field. Before we came on in the studio today, ajc.com for a lot more on that so if we made contact with mike do we know what his plan is what he's got kind of got going on okay okay all right all right perfect perfect so our story is what is it right now it's about 10 30 so our story here is is that the official time slot for carter's coming up in a moment we're going to wait and see if he does occupy that time slot and if he doesn't you know we certainly understand why he might not but if he doesn't, then Mike's going to pop on with us around that. We told you we're going to be a little bit loose today and just sort of kind of f- figure this out and play it all out as it plays out. And uh, good information from our producer, Michael Carvel, uh, making us aware of all of that. So what do you say we do this? Let me go back now. If you remember a few minutes ago, prior to the Rappaport statement about Jalen Carter, I had uh, mentioned to you 
the Brandon Staley audio talking about Jamari Salyer. I thought that was really good. And um, to me, it sort of speaks to a couple of things. You know, I don't have some like grand point to necessarily make about this, but there are a couple of things I do like about that a little bit. First of all, I, I love the statement that, according to, to Staley, Salyer sort of saved their season. And if you follow the NFL, if you know, you know, uh, if you kind of watch that closely, when Salyer did step on, you know, kind of late portion of the year, I mean, he did become a real force that offensive line immediately earned praise. And frankly, I think rightly so. I've, I've told many of you this in the past. I am not a huge fan of the pre-draft process when we're like nitpicking players who are obviously good in college. I don't just mean that about Georgia players. I mean that about, you know, you know, a lot of players. This is one of those things where to me, if you have proven yourself to be good at the highest level of college football, I sort of don't really care what your hand size is. I don't really care about, you know, medical rumors necessarily, things like that. If you're playing well on the football field, that's sort of all I really need to know. And I, as I said, I feel that way about anybody, non-Georgia players, other SEC players, whatever else. But certainly the case of Jamari Sire, who we'd all seen, you know, very up close and personal with our own eyes. We had certainly seen, um, you know, how valuable he had been for UGA. So, we thought it was really pretty weird that he was dropping in the draft as much as he did all the way to the you know, what sixth round, you know, near the end of the NFL draft that Salyer finally got taken. Chargers look smart for taking him. But in the case of Staley right there, you also hear him saying, hey, we weren't that smart either. We we probably took him a couple of rounds too late ourselves. So in other words, he says, don't take us off the hook on this either, because we had many chances prior to this to take him. And we probably waited too long to do that there as well. So I thought all that was really good from Staley. I also like the fact that in the midst of that clip, you hear Staley in his own words describing the way in which Kirby Smart really kind of went to bat for a Jamari Salyer here. And this is one of the things that you sort of hope all coaches do for their guys. They become a real advocate for them when it comes to this kind of thing. And you hope that you're the kind of coach that has the kind of credibility that can earn some 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 trust for yourself and for the player that you're advocating for, including the case of Kirby Smart, that seemed to be the that, that would seem to be the case, but really sort of stepping up and supporting that that you know Jamari Salyer is the kind of guy that you shouldn't have any questions about. Whatever medical stuff is going on, uh, you think Georgia takes that kind of stuff lightly? You think Georgia doesn't you know take that kind of stuff seriously? Of, of course, it uh, pays due respect. All that you know, of course, it's watching that kind of stuff closely. And the Chargers look very smart right now for having Jamari Salyer on their team. Beyond all of that, though. I think it's also kind of interesting to see the potential parallel that exists where, hey, Staley says, hey, Salyer arriving here, that was a season saver for us. Salyer arriving here, uh, stepping in, becoming a starter for us, that kind of held things together for us. I think it's easy to see the parallels on that for Georgia a little bit, too, because you'll remember, as it involves Jamari Salyer in the national championship game of 2021, Salyer, who had been the offensive tackle for Georgia, kind of kicked inside, played a little bit of guard because Georgia needed some help in the interior of that offensive line in that game against Alabama. Uh, Broderick Jones stepped in at the left tackle spot, and much like Salyer became, to use Staley's words, the season savior for the Chargers, I think Broderick Jones, when he stepped in that game uh, for Georgia against Alabama at the end of the 2021 season, kind of became a championship saver for Georgia, and he gave Georgia a chance to preserve its opportunity to win the national championship. And then everything that sort of happened after that kind of felt like it was sort of an offshoot or maybe a falling domino uh, that had started with the decision to put Broderick Jones in that game there at that particular time. And then you kind of look ahead to, and I think we talked about this maybe a little bit yesterday. I feel like we've talked about this at some point in time. There's also the kind of potential parallel here of, um, you know, of what could happen for Georgia again this year as well, where last year at the end of the season, it's Warren McClendon who was battling injury. And McClendon was able to start and Marius Mims stepped in for you a couple of times in the college football playoff. And every indication that we have is the Marius Mims played really very well in that situation, the Peach Bowl, in that situation, the national championship game that Mims gave Georgia a terrific effort. And it's not difficult to kind of draw that parallel and to say, uh, that parallel to say, oh, well, what Mims does in this spot is similar to what uh, Broderick Jones had done for Georgia a year ago. And that Mims maybe was his own version, a little bit of a season saver for Georgia, because all of a sudden you didn't have to worry about what you were offensively without Warren McClendon in the game. You had an incredible prospect, the likes of uh, Amarius Mims, who you had held on to and prevented from transferring this past offseason. You held on to him. You put him in that spot. And then he had a chance to uh, give you a chance to go back and win the national championship. And so with all of that said, Mim's going to be in a pretty big spotlight for Georgia here this season there as well. But when you hear the draft conversation that's been going on around Broderick Jones, you're reminded of just how big of the shoes a guy like Amarius Mims has to fill. Or Ernest Green, who also may step up and at least we were making that assumption here for the moment, 
might step up into a starting uh, situation uh, for Georgia this year. Once again, to sort of step up and kind of be what what Broderick Jones has been, what others have been, what Jamari Sire once was, the kind of guy that preserves a chance at a championship season for Georgia, uh, those are not easy shoes to fill. That is not an easy transition to make, even if Broderick Jones and guys like that have made it look easy in the past. But to go back to the original point here, uh, nice to see a, a, a former dog like Jamari Sire, who everybody liked and everybody respected while he was at UGA, getting the uh, getting the attention that he deserves. We'll make that around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management here today. So that is the scene from the NFL scouting combine. Everybody's waiting. If if Rappaport is reporting that Carter hasn't been seen. My assumption is he's not popping up here for this, and I don't think it should be treated as a scandal if he does. Now, the legal stuff that's that, that's going on, that's you know, that's for somebody else to determine. You know what ends up being on that, but you know, in the uh, in the immediate aftermath of this warrant coming out from the Athens Clark County Police Department, the immediate aftermath of that, if Carter thinks best of speaking here right now, I won't interpret too much about that one way or another but uh we are following that and if you're just joining us on video if, obviously you're, if you're a podcast you've probably been with us for the entire time but if you're just joining us on video the uh ajc had a report this morning at ajc.com about Jalen carter being present at the automobile accident that ultimately cost uh, devin willick and chandler lacroix their lives um the allegation from the story involved street racing uh at least an allegation of street racing there's also some discussion of of carter being present leaving the scene of the accident then returning um and uh so shortly after the ajc story you had a statement coming out from the athens clark county police department where um there's some toxicology information that i don't believe previously had been available anywhere uh that was uh released by them and uh and a a arrest warrant for for uh for jalen carter so those are the facts we're kind of following that you know we're not gonna you know we're not gonna be all this all the time but we're also not gonna pretend this doesn't exist either uh uh espn now also kind of in on that story there as well about um uh so you know some of the national folks starting to kind of pick this up a little bit there too and you got a lot of folks on the scene there at the NFL Combine. You know, we can probably assume this is not going to happen, and then we'll just sort of see how it plays out from right there. So we'll hope to catch up with Mike Griffith here in a moment. What do you say for now on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Brady Pass Management? Sort of bring some other conversation back into this while we kind of wait for all of this to play out. Let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and talk about some of the other draft conversation currently taking place around uh around former sec names let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through all right we'll be cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean of course days like this make me wish i was still on a royal caribbean cruise when you're kind of dealing with some of the craziness that's out there here right now but the good news for you is is that uh you can do what i just did you can take your own royal caribbean cruise vacation i was on wonder of the seas wonder of the seas is the largest cruise ship in the world and one of the things I love about a big cruise ship like that, you know, the seven night sailing on the big cruise ship is, is the ship sort of divided into neighborhoods. And there are all these like cool sort of places to visit that, and I talked to my kids about this, my wife about this, you almost forget you're on a cruise ship because of how cool some of the areas that you're exploring are. There's a, what they call the Royal Promenade, which is kind of on deck five of the ship. And you've got like restaurants and bars and shopping experiences. You're sort of walking. There. It almost looks like a really nice shopping mall. You're sort of walking through that part. It kind of it's a big, long promenade hallway that stretches from one end of the ship to the other. But you've also got the, what they call the Central Park area, which is really, really nice. You have this real living foliage uh, and you're kind of walking through that's very quiet and quaint. In the evening, there'll be all kinds of fun, you know, uh, entertaining stuff going on other places. But Central Park always has this very pleasant, quiet, sophisticated feel almost. And that's really fun, too. There's the boardwalk. Where there's like a carousel and there's you know, a great sports bar, Playmaker Sports Bar and Grill. There's the Aqua Theater. Where you have some great shows. You have all of this going on. And, you know, it takes about seven days to explore it. In fact, even after seven days, I still don't feel like I quite got to see everything there is to be seen on a ship like this and i was trying my best to sort of soak it all in and you still don't feel like you got to do it all or you got to do it all as much 
as you want to, which is only an invitation to go back and take another Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. So Jessica Slater is the one we trust for all this. Great travel agent. We had one of our commenters earlier on DogNation.com saying he took a cruise like in 2005, and Jessica was his travel agent then. I had no idea that Jessica had been in the game quite so long. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Jessica doing good stuff for you. You can give her a call. 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also visit RoyalDogs.com for more on that today. That is RoyalDogs.com. Uh, you can find out about all the stuff that Jessica's got going on with Royal Caribbean, but also our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. You have a chance to be a part of that. And I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. So make sure you check that out then. All right. So with that said, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean here today. And I continue to see what I think is pretty interesting as it relates to some chatter around Bryce Young, the fact that Bryce Young is just not very big. And, you know, Mel Kuyper still has him going number one overall, the former Alabama quarterback. But there are a lot of people going to want to hold his size against him. And obviously, we've seen this with Stetson, you know, too. Uh, but Young, as the former Heisman Trophy winner and a guy that sort of mentioned the sort of the top NFL draft, you know, Young is going to be compared to guys like Anthony Richardson or, or Will Levis, guys that we also know very well here in the SEC. They just sort of have better measurables. Look, as I said before, this is not for me a philosophy that I have exclusively from former Georgia guys. I sort of view this across the board. If you take Anthony Richardson or Will Levis over Bryce Young, then you ought to be examined. I mean, you ought to be put under, you know, a examination to sort of find out what you've got going on between the ears. How many times do we see Bryce Young play good football? And listen, we're a Georgia show. We don't like Alabama. I like making fun of Alabama, but we're also not incapable of being objective. And objectively speaking, I think that Bryce Young is a very good football player. Objectively speaking, I think that Anthony Richardson's no better than average. I don't care if he runs a 3-5-40. I don't care if he throws the ball over the mountains. Anthony Richardson's just not that good of a football player. He's just not. He looks like he should be, but he's always looked like he should be, and he never has been. At a certain point in time, what you think should be true has to conflict with what actually is true, and Anthony Richardson's just not that good. Uh, in the case of Will Levis, I sort of feel the same way. Yeah, Anthony, I mean, Will Levis can throw the ball through a brick wall. That's awesome. I'm not quite so sure what that has added up to over the course of his college career because, you know, go back to 2021. Clemson, Clemson, Kentucky was not without offensive weapons. They had the Wanda Robinson kid. You had Liam Cohen working with the offense. It is not like this, you know, Kentucky team in 2021 was absent of opportunity for offensive success. And to my knowledge, it was pretty good. I mean, it was, you know, better than Kentucky normally is, but was it actually good? Uh, you know, Will Levis was the uh, quarterback in that game in Athens in 2021, the one that uh, the tight ends coach thought they should have won. Uh, but nonetheless, when you were watching that game, where at any point in time you're sitting there biting your fingernails saying, oh, gosh, the future number one overall pick is a quarterback here. He may lead this Kentucky team on some great comeback charge. Of course you didn't. Of course you didn't feel that way. Every time you played Alabama, did uh, did Bryce Young have the full measure of your respect? He better have. He better have. And listen, I hate Alabama, and I like making fun of Alabama for excuses and all that kind of stuff. But you better believe if Bryce Young had the football in his hands, he had my respect. And you better believe if Bryce Young had the football. Even when George was up, by the way, 15 with about a minute to go in that game, I was still very glad when – was it Robert Beal that got the last sack or was it Nolan Smith? Whoever got the – I was still very glad to see Bryce Young on the ground at the end of that game at the end of the 2021 season because I just think that Bryce Young's a very good football player, and I don't want to leave him with any chance to do anything to my team. And, yeah, you know, a, a guy like C.J. Stroud played pretty well against George here this year, but for my money, I'll still take – and, you know, my draft analysis probably isn't worth 10 cents, but I still, if it's left to make an assumption about – I'll make the assumption the guy Bryce Young, who has been good throughout his college career, is better than guys like Anthony Richardson, better than guys like uh, Will Levis, and for my money, probably better than C.J. Stroud there as well, at least on the course of the the full consistency of his career when he was healthy. Not that big. I get that. Uh, but at a certain point in time, you know, <laughs> at a certain point in time, I think these NFL talent evaluators are a little bit too much in love with their own evaluation. By the way, speaking of – Mel Kuyper I believe this is mock draft 2.0 for Kuyper and Kuyper's only got three Georgia guys in the first round here for right now he does have Jalen Carter going number four overall we will see how some of the stuff that's coming out today impacts Carter's draft status I'm gonna be honest with you ultimately there are far more important questions to be asked about this situation beyond what does it mean for Jalen Carter in the NFL draft um uh 
I, I think that's probably important to know. But at the same time, people are going to have some curiosity about what this means for him in the draft. And I would say it's probably too early to tell. But interesting to note that uh, that that Kuiper's only got him going number four overall before all of this. And then at the back end of the first round, he's got Darnell Washington going number 29, Broderick Jones going um, uh, number 31. Now, I'll tell you what I think about it. interesting about that. Some of y'all follow this draft stuff a little bit more than I do. 31 on Broderick's a little low, right? I mean, hasn't he been projected a little higher than that by a lot of these mock drafts? Um, I mean, if you're 31, you're obviously teetering on the brink of kind of falling out. And I have been under the assumption that, that Broderick Jones was a rock-solid number one draft pick type guy not number one overall but but uh you know very easy first round pick type guy but in the case of Kuiper here he's got him kind of teetering on the brink there so maybe in the conversation that I had uh, a little earlier where I was talking about swing prospects for Georgia you know Ringo who Kuiper does not have in his first round um uh and, and Nolan Smith who also Kuiper does not have here in his first round maybe in the midst of all of that maybe you do have to include Broderick Jones as one of those swing prospects there as well a guy that Georgia fans will probably be rooting for to be in the first round but at least on the basis of this mock draft if you take it seriously or not on the basis of this mock draft might have that chance to kind of swing out of that there as well so so Kuiper's got three I would say that Georgia has a chance to have more than that but but you know I think that three is a good over under total. I, I'd say that I would I'd think that three is a pretty good, maybe three and a half. I would say three, three and a half is a pretty good spot. to. I was actually talking to, to uh, one of the big bosses around here about that yesterday. I'd probably set the over under around three, three and a half, um, you know, for Georgia in terms of uh, of, you know, who gets selected where and who gets selected what when it comes to the NFL draft. The Kuiper stuff here kind of sort of helped paint that picture for a little bit, too. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of royal caribbean uh how we doing on mike griffith uh is he still photographing empty podium um yep still is there you go <laughs> empty podium still being photographed uh i think at this point in time we can go ahead and uh we can go ahead and, we can go ahead and call that uh, but if, if if he wants to keep photographing the podium we'll let him do it um so let me instead <laughs> on a day like this boy isn't it nice to Think about having a little cocktail. Uh, for those of you that like cocktails, maybe uh, maybe you like ready to drink cocktails that come right out of the can. You know, you see these cans, you think it's a beer, right? You're conditioned over the course of your life to think the beer comes in a can. You see somebody holding a nice, tasty beverage in a can in their hand, you assume they must be drinking a beer. But when it comes to finished long drink, you could not be more wrong because the finished long drink is a mixed drink in a can. It's a it's a kind of a really cool category of beverage called a ready to drink cocktail. And if you like, like, say, you know, gin with grapefruit juice or gin with cranberry juice or something along those lines, you're going to love the Finnish long drink. In fact, here's what I think you should do. You should go to longdrink.com. And boy, if I could die face first into one right now, you better believe I would. If you could go to the longdrink.com, you can find out about all the various Finnish long drink varieties. So before you get the cranberry, pretty much everybody in my neighborhood loves that around the pool. And obviously this time of year, you start thinking about when you can be back in the pool again. Long drink strong, eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. Long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. Uh, long drink traditional. It's in the uh, blue can. It's got the grapefruit flavor. It's got the gin kick. Uh, all of that is just really good. You get all of that with our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And listen, uh, around where I live, it's a lot of golf courses. It's really fun, you know, beverage to enjoy in the golf course. But it's also like beverage stores, bars, everything else. Uh, you can try the Finish Long Drink today. And by the way, on Friday, we'll see as a part of our big finish presented by the Finish Long Drink. And we'll celebrate you enjoying yourself some Finish Long Drink. So make sure you pick it up, try it, and enjoy it if you have not today. All right, so it's Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pass Management. Uh, we continue to bring you live coverage of an empty podium in Indianapolis where uh, we are we got the camera locked in on the empty podium. I don't think that scene's going to change anytime soon, but uh, nonetheless, the empty podium is present. So what do you say we do this? Um, I'm going to move on. We'll kind of wrap up the show. Podcast folks, if we catch up with Mike, we'll kind of tack this onto the podcast. We'll see if we can kind of piece all this back together. Um, but for now, we'll kind of sound, we'll kind of sign off on the show here today. We'll take some comments via video and hopefully we'll be able to come back tomorrow and do a show that's a little bit more in keeping what we typically do here on our program. All right. Uh, as we wrap up, our buddy Ryan Walker, always really, really good, talented Facebook contributor um, and a pretty prolific uh, Photoshop type guy there as well. And in fact, let's give him a golden shoe for today. 
He says, uh, well, B.A., they're throwing away the posters and the excuse from the 2022 season. He's talking about Nick Saban, Alabama. He says, I enjoyed that show. And let's get another show here in 2023. He says, three Pete on deck for the dogs. And he says, I've got my tickets for the Nick Saban excuse tour featuring all his hits from his newest album, including Rebuilding Year and Two Receivers Down. And he's got a picture of Saban there as a musician. What that brings to mind for me is, and we've done this video for you a few times and it never gets old for me. I don't have it to show for you today. There's that one musician out there, and somebody don't know who it is. It looks just like Nick Saban. In fact, if you Google search musician who looks like Nick Saban, you can see this for yourself. It's really funny to watch this guy like just, you know, going in and digging in on the uh, guitar. Uh, so that was, that's what I thought about when Ryan sent that to me. But nonetheless, we'll give Ryan a uh, golden shoe for today, and that's probably worth a Google search for you if you want to look up that up for yourself. I wish I had for to play for you. I do not, but here's what I do have. Lousy, stinking gators. Let me tell you something. 241 days from right now, Georgia will be back in Jackson. Who knows? Maybe the last cocktail party of them all. Uh, if it is, we're going to go out in style with another beatdown of those lousy, stinking gators. That happens 241 days from right now. It is Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. Okay, so uh, Mike Griffith, fresh off reporting on the empty uh, podium, uh, joins us here live from Indianapolis. Um, Mike, what is the scene there like right now? And for the people who are just joining us, let me just kind of remind folks of the facts here. AJC.com report this morning, Jalen Carter present at the accident in which Devin uh, Willick, Chandler McCroy lost their life. Um, this, you know, a few minutes later, I don't want to say it results in, but in the aftermath of this, the athens Clark County Police uh, released a statement. They've issued an arrest warrant now for Jalen Carter. Carter not spotted, I don't believe, at the NFL scouting combine today at all. So what's the uh, scene in Indianapolis like right now with that mic? Yeah, Brandon, we got conflicting reports. You know, we had an NFL person tell us that there was some medical testing going on, and that's why Jalen Carter hadn't come out yet. Uh, then we had another source tell us that he's already gone back down to Athens. So as you can imagine, uh, you know, somewhat uh, – havoc here uh, not really anyone doing a good job telling us what's going on nobody really said hey he's not coming out to speak so obviously we we didn't want to uh shut the camera down until we felt fairly confident that jalen wasn't going to want to speak today we were hoping to bring him live to our dog nation audience this morning uh, already nolan smith and robert beal we have those facebook live streamed up on our dog nation page right now but uh, as for jalen carter it, you know the, the news is is stunning and shocking uh the timing is is probably uh uh, interesting to say the least, the day that he's supposed to speak at the NFL Combine, all this tragic news comes out and uh, and uh, regrettable details of his potential. Uh, well, the fact that uh, the, the report states that he was there on site. Yeah, so obviously there's a lot more facts that kind of come out about this at, at some point in time. Um, you, you know, I don't read a ton into his decision not to speak today. I mean, I think that Jalen Carter, you know, whatever he's charged with, whatever he might, you know, be guilty of doing i think he has a right to a legal defense i think i think the right to a legal defense uh includes the right not to say anything so carter not speaking right now now it's frustrating for you because you're in indianapolis and it's maybe frustrating for those who just want more information in the situation but i think it's fair to point out that carter is well within his legal rights not to speak about this at all right now oh sure yeah i mean he's right now he's facing two misdemeanor charges and, and there's reportedly a warrant out for his arrest on the biggest job interview of his life uh, the, the day that he's dreamed of, his opportunity to meet with NFL teams and, and play professional football. I mean, the guy's been working his whole life for this, and, and the timing is, uh, again, uh, regrettable. But at the same time, I, I, don't, I don't think this is uh, probably news. Yeah. Uh, if there was a level of involvement, Brandon, then he probably knew he was there and probably had plenty of time to come forward and, and tell the authorities, hey, I was there, you probably ought to know this. It, it, you know, and, and I'm not saying that he did or didn't, I'm just saying – that, uh, you know, this is something that's been under investigation for some time and more and more details have come out. It's, it's not like everyone was just transparent right up front and said, hey, here's everything that happened. Um, the police had to do their jobs. And I know there was some controversy about the level of reporting and investigating. Uh, but now I think you can see that uh, sometimes that's warranted uh, when things aren't completely transparent. Now, for a Georgia football fan, obviously uh, re regrettable, disappointing that Jalen Carter, a potential number one overall draft pick, uh, you know, uh, was at the scene in, in whatever form he's being charged with. Uh, what did you say the charge were? Reckless driving or something? That, that tells me there had to be a, a witness or two. Um, obviously, that's disappointing to think that in, in any circumstance uh, that a student athlete would put themselves at risk at that time of night in that situation. But 
Um, you know, what's happened has happened, and now uh, it'll be dealt with, as you said, Brandon. He has a right to his de- defense. Uh, it will be interesting to see if or how it affects his NFL draft stock. I'm here reporting on the combine, and sometimes those wires intersect with off-field issues. This is one of those times, and uh, just trying to do the best we can to give people information and perspective on it today. You look great, by the way. Sharp signal, uh, nice and tan. <laughs> <laughs> Very impressed by all that. Let me uh, oh, let me also, there's like one level of speculation I'm willing to do, and obviously speculation is dangerous when it comes to anything like this, but the one degree of speculation I'm sort of willing to make is, I said this earlier today, Mike, that to me, this story had sort of existed in the rumor mill in some form or fashion for a little while here. The assumption I might be willing to make is, is I don't think this necessarily catches NFL teams off guard in terms of their deliberations around Carter. My guess is he's already interviewed with NFL teams. Ian Rappaport has reported that. If I had to guess, I believe Carter's probably already been asked about this incident just because the fact that this has been a rumor that's been out there. And I said this before you joined us, that to me, the facts, whatever they are, are at least better than the kind of murky rumor. Did you hear about so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so? The facts, as we understand them right now, frankly, don't sound all that pleasant, but it's at least a little bit more tangible reporting to kind of hush up some of the rumor mill stuff. You know, NFL teams do their own investigations. My guess is that Carter may have already talked about this with some NFL teams, even if it's only kind of just now being publicly made, uh, you know, made known by the official sort of news channels. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right in saying that. I think you'd feel comfortable saying that earlier today when Nolan Smith was asked about Devin Willick. And again, for those people, we have a story up on dognation.com about just some incredible things Nolan Smith said today. I mean, he's always been a great interview, Brandon, but I mean, this was this was masterpiece theater uh, from the NFL Combine in terms of the passion, uh, the energy and emotion as, as Nolan Smith broke down crying in front of our eyes, uh, talking about Devin Willick publicly for the first time and then said, you know, he said, I, I cried when the Cincinnati Bengals asked me about this. I mean, that's my brother. And and uh, obviously uh, he was asked about Jalen Carter and and, you know, defended him fervently and, and telling us what kind of a. Uh, a great teammate Jalen is and how misunderstood he is. Uh, but, but Nolan's testimony, getting his nose broken in the first practice and bleeding and putting a tampon in his nose, you're going, oh, my gosh, this is you know pretty graphic, but this is pretty real. I mean, this is, to me, the NFL combine is when the rubber meets the mat, so to speak. I mean, when these kids talk and they really come unplugged and you really, as kids, young men, when they really come unplugged, and you really find out who and what they're all about and that emotion when they talk about Georgia. And you can imagine, uh, you know, what this offseason is going to be like. Nolan Smith saying, do it for Dev. That's what he's telling the Georgia guys right now. Number 77. I mean, one of the things you and I have talked about already is, my goodness, if, if there's a three-peat, where do they find their, their motivation? They can't say nobody believes in them anymore. They're going to be a preseason number one. And it would seem this unfortunate tragedy – uh, with Devin Willick is really rallying the troops, so to speak, uh, as they rally around their teammate that connected and is kicking in. And and again, Nolan Smith and the video that we have up on our YouTube page or on dognation.com within the story, just so stirring. Um, and uh, again, one of the things you get from the NFL Combine is it gets really real here. They're, they're not worried about what Coach Smart's going to say. They're not all, you know, standing up there talking like robots like they do all season. Everybody not wanting to give any bulletin board material. When these guys talk here, it's them. It's their brand. It's their person personification of who they are and how they really want to represent themselves. Uh, they don't have to worry about carrying that program banner. And so uh, the NFL Combine, fascinating. We'll have more interviews tomorrow, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three dogs scheduled each day. Hoping that all of them show up. It's disappointing uh, that uh, Jalen didn't speak today. But as you uh, as you stated, Brandon, well within his rights and certainly understandable if there is indeed a warrant out for his arrest in Georgia. So let me kind of finish up away from that topic for a moment because I think that obviously everything that you uh, you know said that on that was you know kind of spot on. But um, the narrative to me around Georgia in this draft is I, I find it to be interesting how many kind of swing prospects there sort of are. You know, Keely Ringo could be a first-round pick, or maybe he's not. You know, Nolan Smith could be a first-round pick. Maybe he's not. Uh, Darnell Washington could be a first-round pick. If he runs well, probably is. Um, but maybe he's not. And 
to me, Broderick Jones probably is the safest of, of the names that I'm mentioning here. But Mel Kiper only had him yeah. at number 31 in his recent mock draft, too, if you take that seriously at all. I'm a Georgia fan, Mike. I'm just sort of rooting for these guys to make it in the first round just because I think it's fun if they do. Uh, but from a football standpoint, this is good TV drama right here, right, to kind of see who performs well, to see who actually gets that nod. We had five dogs called a year ago. to Kind of see how many of these guys kind of get called again this year. I got to tell you, this makes for a pretty f- fun pre-draft process, I think. I, absolutely. And, and I'll say this, Brandon, even if, you know, regardless of uh, if uh, Jalen Carter's charges are remain missed to me, there, there's no way he's going out of the first round. So yeah. we're, we're, we're strictly talking football. Now I'm going to, you know, not mention anything and don't want to seem insensitive, but we're talking strictly football and draft stock. That's where this question is going. Uh, Jalen Carter is a first round talent. No way he drops out of the first round uh, short of uh, more serious charges emerging. Broderick Jones, I feel, is very safely a first round pick. I think Broderick is going to be one of the guys that makes great gains at the combine. His athleticism, when he speaks, he's very articulate. Obviously, when he interviews with the NFL teams, what they say to the media is a nice preview and representation of what the teams are getting behind the curtain. So I think Broderick Jones safely in the first round. I believe Darnell Washington is going to be an emerging story from here. It's one thing to look on paper and see six foot seven and a half, two eighty five. It's another when it's right in front of your face. And Darnell is so special. I think he's going to have a good combine. I would say that he's probably my odds on favorite as a third first round pick. And then you got a couple of guys that you, as you mentioned, there's a lot of talk and speculation about Nolan Smith spoke today. He's going to do field drills here. He's not going to do any of the testing. Remember he had that uh, surgery for a torn pectoral muscle on November 1st that he suffered in the Florida game, the eighth game of the season. Not really sure when he's going to be all in the medical portion of this combine. The most important thing for Nolan is what those team doctors think when they're tugging and pulling on him and putting him through the x-ray machine which they've already done here. So Nolan, a, a potential first-round pick, I would probably lean towards early second because of the injury. Uh, Keely Ringo, another guy, uh, we know he's going to work out well here, but how well? Is it a 4-3-9? Is it a 4-3-2? Uh, 6-1-2-10, People love his size, metric speed. And even though you turn on the film and you can see Keely getting burned every now and then, and maybe the hips aren't quite as fluid as you'd like, you look down at those numbers and you go, man, 6-1-200. And this kid runs a four three whatever we can coach him up right so that's always the sliding sale you know that com- those combine numbers kind of yeah you know maybe it wasn't that bad on film right so those to me are the, the potential first round picks you go to the second day guys you're looking at Kenny McIntosh and Chris Smith I think uh, the number that Kenny runs is going to be important we saw Zamir White and James Cook last year I believe one ran a four four zero one ran a four four one. If Kenny can stay under that four four five number, Brandon, I don't think there's any way he falls out of the second round. Could go early second round. There's a lot of teams looking for running backs. It is a competitive running back draft with Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson. But how early will Kenny go among those running backs? Big Chris Smith. Now the size is what bothers teams. One eighty eight. What is he going to come in at? What is he going to run? Could Chris sneak into the second round? We saw the great plays, the intangibles. Maybe a third round guy, maybe a late second. And then, of course, and then the rest, right? Warren McClendon, uh, Stetson Bennett, Robert Beal, Jack Podlesny, Kiaris Jackson. There's a lot of dogs that are going to be drafted. And certainly all of them will end up in training camps of those 12 guys that you saw that are on that list for here at the NFL Combine. And Stetson, by the way, he doesn't speak until Friday. And we'll see if we set up the camera Friday for Dog Nation Daily, Brandon. Let's hope that Stetson shows up for his interview. Maybe we can stream that one to the audience. On a more serious note, Mike, this just coming out uh, within the last couple of seconds. I want to read this to you, give you a chance to respond. We are getting a statement from Kirby Smart on the aftermath of Jalen Carter having an arrest warrant issued for him by the athens Clark County Police Department around 10 a.m. this morning. Smart saying the charges announced today are deeply concerning, especially as we are still struggling to cope with the devastating loss of two beloved members of our community. We will continue to cooperate fully with the authorities while supporting these families and assessing what we can learn from this horrible tragedy. That statement from Kirby Smart coming just a matter of seconds ago uh, in response to obviously everything that's going on today, starting with the AJC.com report, uh, then the statement from the athens Clark County Police Department that uh, that revealed the uh, warrant being issued for, uh, for uh, Jalen Carter. Now the statement from Kirby Smart. What do you think about those words from uh, Kirby, Mike? 
Well, you know, Kirby and crisis management is a big part of the job when you're a head football coach and you're responsible for over 100 young men. And there's going to be things that happen off the field. And, and quite frankly, one of the more troubling aspects of this to me is that these are quote unquote leaders. It's, you know, it's, it's Stetson Bennett being arrested at six in the morning. It's Jalen Carter that, you know, that has the, you know, it's Jamon Dumas Johnson. It's, uh, you know, these are not the figures that you expect. Um, you expect these to be the people to, to realize and recognize, Brandon, that they represent so much more than themselves, right? So that level of accountability to one another and to the program, this is going to be a big reset for Kirby Smart this offseason. It's going to be very important who he puts in leadership positions because this is not uh, the, the type of look that Kirby Smart wants for the Georgia football program. Um, you know, I spoke with uh, Howie Roseman yesterday, the uh, vice president, general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles. We had a Dog Nation exclusive with the uh, Super Bowl uh, GM. And he said, look, in Georgia, we know what we're getting. These kids are trained the right way as people and football players. And that is part of the brand. Um, you know, th this isn't going to turn into the 1980s Miami Hurricanes under Kirby Smart's watch. It's, it's not going to be in anything goes. I mean, this program is built on discipline and accountability. And these unfortunate off-the-field incidents have shaken the program in the offseason. It's going to be harder than ever for the Georgia Bulldogs uh, this offseason. I can assure you, just knowing how Kirby Smart is, and uh, I think you remember, Brandon, it was just, well, my goodness, uh, what was it, uh, five years ago, four or five years ago, when Georgia had six players arrested in six weeks. They, they weren't the most serious of charges, but it was a pattern that was playing out over the spring. And it got to the point where Kirby had people running steps in front of people at the scrimmage. I mean, it was getting that serious where Kirby's going to publicly discipline. And uh, he will do what he needs to do to maintain control and discipline and accountability in this program. Uh, you know, this this whole celebration uh, just completely, to me, spiraled out of control. Uh, unfortunately, in the aftermath, I think this is uh, probably a cautionary tale. Don't think you're going to see another occasion like this. Um, a, a school do this. There's a lot of things that happen around these situations, circumstances. And, uh, you know, Georgia fans are going to be ready for some good news here uh, in a couple of weeks when they start spring drills. But that statement that you read to me, Brandon, uh, to me, that is a sign that uh, Kirby Smart is putting the foot down and there's going to be some very harsh talks behind closed do doors in those locker rooms and leadership and I believe starting positions there's going to be a much greater, even greater uh, uh, pr priority placed on putting leaders in positions that will be accountable and that will be disciplined and that will do things right on and off the field. So uh, read into that what you want, but I think character is going to count more than ever in addition to the talent. And uh, I expect we're going to see Kirby Smart with some very strong words once spring drills start here in just a couple of weeks. All right, Mike, uh, thanks for joining us here today, and uh, we'll continue to read your combine coverage there from Indianapolis and, of course, talk to you back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management again very soon there as well. All right, look forward to it, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. And, look, you know, I'm going to be serious here just for a second. Um, I told you before that when it comes to the stuff that's kind of coming out about Jalen Carter today, starting with the AJC.com story, um, the facts that they report, the statement released by the athens Clark County Police Department, you know, I am mostly content to sort of let this all play out the same way I've been mostly content to let this play out from the beginning. I will say this, you know, and this is, as, you know, I gave an opinion earlier, you know, I'll give another uh, opinion now and sort of let that be the end of my uh, you know, opining on this. I think Georgia needs to tighten up here a little bit. Um, there is a look of a little bit of sloppiness here. And ultimately how much does like bad pr matter i don't know i honestly don't know i mean obviously the loss of life is far more serious than bad public relations but the ajc doing a story the athens clark county police department giving an arrest warrant kirby issuing a statement that's the wrong order that's not the right order for this stuff to take place um i love georgia football i want to see him win games it's my favorite pastime Georgia needs to tighten up here just a little bit, just a little bit. The sort of be quiet, hope all this goes away, that's not a strategy. And as I said before, you have a legal right to remain silent. You don't have an obligation to remain silent. And so um, if I'm Georgia 
the next piece of bad news related to this, I don't think it should come out in the press uh, because that strategy is right now not working for UGA. And that's as close as an opinion as I want to give you. As someone who loves Georgia football, I'd like to see Georgia tighten up a little bit on this. I would. And that's my only opinion.